Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to day two of the BSCB. I uh, uh, hope you're all doing well so here in Massachusetts. Beautiful day outside. So looking forward to when we finish up around noonish or so, Enjoy going out and having a nice time outside. Um, before we start uh, on our first session, I want to announce some very good news Big success at last night's auction, uh, $3,350 was raised. So those are actually really great results. Thanks again to, to all of those who um, organized the auction, hosted the auction, um, served as auctioneers, and so on. Uh, so without further ado, we'll start in on our first session. This is always a popular one every year. Uh, Kim Charlson is going to um, talk about the latest happenings at the, at the Braille and Talking Book Library. Thank you, David. And uh, good morning, everyone. <coughs> I wonder, is it a good thing to be first or not? You know, <laughs> so Everybody's coming in, but uh, I always appreciate the time that I get for being able to share library news with you. And it's no different this year. There's lots to talk about. So I'm going to talk fast because um, I want to try to leave a little time for questions before my time runs out. So I'd like to always start by um, totally impressing you with some statistics. So um, I'll rattle through the statistics and then I'll get to the meat of my presentation. So um, for this year, fiscal year 22, um, the library currently has um, 21,400 active patrons. We, um, we circulated, and this is as of the end of March, because I, I did my quarterly reports. So we still have the fourth quarter to add, which would be about 100 and probably 125,000 more, but right now we've, this year we've circulated 388,228 items. The number of titles in our collection is 208,088. And the number of volumes that we own, that's all the containers and the Braille volumes is 553,779. The equipment we have circulated this year is 2,522 um, pieces of equipment. That would be the digital player or the e-reader, which I'll talk about in a little bit. And we currently are tracking, um, and this is over all the years, and so there's, there's some record players and cassette players, mostly digital players in this number of 36,200 machines that we keep track of um, in our inventory. Uh, Newsline is very busy, very active. We're one of the largest states using Newsline. We have 4,000 daily subscribers and users to Newsline. Um, and the quarterly numbers, again, for Newsline, um, the number of calls received is 24,176. Um, and the number of minutes used for the, the last quarter, January through March, was 448,248 minutes. Um, 
And that's, uh, Chris will have to figure out the hours. I didn't do that, but that's a lot. Um, web users, we have, um, and those are sessions, 72,449 web sessions, because you can use Newsline online as well. Um, in your pocket downloads, that's for people who have Newsline on their Victor Stream. It's tw- 225,050 um, Dot items downloaded um, for those folks because generally the papers don't come in all in one batch. They come in over the course of the day and di- different articles keep getting added. Emails, deliveries, the same thing. Um, 20,265 emails and iDevices, which are all the iPhones, iPads that people can also use um, Newsline Mobile is 9,645 pieces, as you can have multiple iDevices. So in 2021, we added two new newspapers to Newsline. Um, We added the Metro West Daily News, and we added the New Bedford Standard Times to give a newspaper coverage to southeastern Massachusetts. So we are hoping to add another paper um, this year, which would be, um, I'm anticipating that it will be some coastal um, North Shore newspaper. Haven't made a final decision yet, but um, it's looking like potentially Salem um, might be the area. Uh, We haven't really had localized coverage in that area, Um, but we're, we're looking to try to add a paper for the North Shore um, area. And we try to want to add dailies as opposed to weeklies because you get more bang for your buck that way. So, um, BARD users, we have 1,719 active BARD users. And in last quarter, they borrowed or downloaded on their own 31,734 books. So they're busy. Um, we also have library sponsored subscriptions that um, the library covers the subscription. We currently have 153 people using Bookshare and they downloaded 1,960 items from Bookshare. So our, um, our phone calls for the first quarter or the third quarter, January through March, 13,797 phone calls that we received and our telephone Zoom activities, um, which are very popular, we in the um, January through March timeframe, we had 116 different activities um, in our Zoom room, and we had 1,945 different, you know, individuals, not necessarily different people, but specific participants in our Zoom activities. And we had 12,822 minutes of Zoom activity, which on this one I did figure out was 213.75 hours of um, Zoom activities. So, Most of you probably know about the different Zoom activities, but we have 
movies, uh, movie matinee and Friday night flicks twice a month. Um, movie matinees every week, I think. Let's see. Yeah, that's right. Um, yoga, accessible yoga with um, Leslie Spoon is our yoga instructor twice a month. We have accessible bingo um, with Beth White is is the main host. Sometimes I join her. I've been off the bingo circuit since the uh, basement remodeling because I didn't have enough room to spread out all my bingo boards to be a caller. So, um, but hopefully I'll be back in the next couple months doing that again. Um, Teaching Tuesdays, uh, which are workshops on a variety of different subjects. Um, Those are probably usually about twice a month. We do that. We have author talks in our library without walls series um, May 17th, Library Without Walls is Boston Harbor History and Trails. Um, so there's a lot of different, um, there's a newsline program with Gina. There is um, audio drama, um, listening library, and of course, the ever popular trivia with Aaron Fragola. That's a very popular activity that people really enjoy. Um, We also do specialized activities to help people connect. Um, The last specialized activity we did was the um, Ukraine concert that was held on April 16th. We carried that in the Zoom room because a lot of people know how to get into the Zoom room easily. And so we we were a rebroadcaster of that um, 11-hour Ukraine concert that was amazing. So... Um, And we had about 35 people that um, tuned in and listened to the concert via the Zoom room. So some of the new things that the library is doing um, this year include um, loaning hotspots. Hotspots are not new, but they may be new to some of you. They are basically... um, a little device that allows you to have portable internet with you. You have connectivity. So what I always tell people is, you know, you may live somewhere where you don't have access to the internet. Um, a hotspot would allow you to have that um, connectivity. Or if you went to visit a family member, you know, Aunt Ruth or something, and she doesn't have cable or no internet. It's hard for me to manage, imagine, but it happens a lot um, that you can have borrow a hotspot from the library and you have your own portable connectivity to the web. Or if you're going camping, um, it doesn't work everywhere because you still have to have a cell tower to connect your hotspot. So, but a lot of places, you know, and you hear the stories in the news about people getting lost in the woods and calling 911. Well, they have internet because they have their cell phone. So if they can get a signal, they can get um, internet access with a hotspot. So we loan those for up to eight weeks so people can try them out. And um, that was funded through um, monies that the Board of Library Commissioners received for um, what we call ARPA money, the American Rescue Plan Act that um, was based on support for public um, government services under the COVID funding. So um, our newest project starting back in January of this year 
is the um, distribution of the Braille e-readers. Um, these are a refreshable Braille reader that NLS has designed. And uh, the unit that we have, uh, that we are loaning, is, has been produced by Zumax. And it's um, loaned to active Braille readers who are interested in um, having an e-reader. And they can connect to BARD with it. It does that very well. Um, I always tell people that the hardest part of getting started with your e-reader is getting started. Because um, the first thing you have to do is kind of master just, you know, what it is and how it works. Then you need to connect it to your Wi-Fi and then connect it to BARD. So once you get those things done, um, it's designed to be an easy Braille e-reader. So it has a lot of memory. It can store lots of books. And you can just have all kinds of fun downloading to your heart's content. <laughs> or if you're not a downloading person, um, the, the units come with a cartridge adapter that you can attach to the device when, and we can put electronic Braille books on a cartridge and send those electronic books to you. You connect the cartridge in the adapter, plug it into the machine, and it automatically, once it detects something has been plugged in, will copy the contents of the cartridge over to your unit. So that's a great way to get a whole lot of Braille books. Um, somebody was going on vacation recently. They asked us to stock them up with like 20 books on their e-readers so they could just have tons of reading. And as Braille readers know, when you go on vacation, if you're taking a hard copy Braille book, you might get one volume to go with you. And that's about it. So it's a, it's a great way to have a lot of content. Um, Brian's all excited about it because he can have his whole entire cookbook collection on his e-reader now, and it doesn't take up four bookcases in the basement. So, um, so there's a lot of pluses to the e-readers. So if you haven't um, received one yet, you just need to contact the library and ask to be shipped an e-reader. It comes with a Braille manual, um, a getting started guide, um, a case, and the device itself. We have a pre-recorded call that goes out every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. That is the um, telephone Zoom room activities schedule for the upcoming week. So we also distribute an email about telephone Zoom as well. So if you want to get on the list, if you're not for either of those things, um, just let us know at the library and we will do that. So we are um, on the cusp of embarking on something that I may have mentioned to you all previously called um, duplication on demand. And we're, we're just getting started with it and we're taking it very slowly because it's a whole entire paradigm shift of how libraries do business. And, you know, the traditional way we've always done business is we have shelves and aisles and rows and rows of books on shelves and multiple copies of those books waiting for someone to ask for them or waiting for a staff member to assign them out to a patron. And that's been the traditional way libraries operate forever. Um, duplication on demand is a new scenario 
where we are able to customize a cartridge for a patron um, with the specific titles they want. So perhaps you called up and indicated that you were interested in the following eight titles. And those eight titles, you know, they might have been on the shelf. Maybe six of them were on the shelf, but the other two were not available. They All the copies were out that we had. So we had to put you on reserve for those other two cop- titles that you were interested in. Duplication on demand allows us to take a create an order for your request and it processes through our automation system. And then in our shipping department, we take a cartridge and we put it in a device um, that has 20 um, cartridge slots in it. And the system knows because it prints out a card. So you keep the card in order with the cartridge you inserted in the slot and the system will copy those, those eight titles onto your cartridge. And then the shipping staff will send that cartridge out in the mail. So rather than having one book on a cartridge and having a stack of blue cartridges on your desk in your, in your home or on your kitchen table, you have eight books that have arrived on one cartridge. So it's, it's a whole new scenario, but what it does is it allows us to, to provide you exactly what you asked for when you ask for it. And there's, you know, a, a process that you have to do. If you use the traditional cartridges and the NLS player, there's a very simple way to Join the access meeting. a cartridge with multiple titles on it. You hold down the play button for four seconds, and then the player will announce bookshelf. And bookshelf is the area where it allows you to use your left arrow or your right right arrow, meaning your rewind or fast forward keys on your player to navigate through the list of the eight titles on that cartridge. And when you decide, I want to read this one, you just push the play button. And then from there on, your player knows that you're reading that book. When you finish that book, then you push the play button again for four seconds, wait to go into your bookshelf mode, and you pick another book and go through the same process. So this is the new, um, the, the new now for library services, but it's very different. And on, the, on our side, internally, it's, it's requiring a lot of process, and it also requires um, customizing every single patron's um, profile because some people have been resistant to have more than one book on a cartridge. Other people love it and love getting everything they want when they want it. Um, and we're also waiting for an order of customized cartridges that we've had produced that will say on them your Perkins Library order. And that'll be in very large print on the cartridge and there'll be a braille label on those cartridges that says the same thing because of this new process and having eight titles on a cartridge, it isn't possible to have the traditional braille label and print label on the cartridges any longer. 
that would have told you what the title of the book was on that cartridge, because we can't fit eight titles on a cartridge label since they're very small. So you, um, you use the bookshelf feature to identify what has arrived on your cartridge and to browse through your cartridge to see what you want. So it is going to take us um, at least a year to transition people over to a duplication on demand scenario. Um, we're happy to transition people, you know, immediately if that's what they'd like. So we will, um, you know, if you contact us and say, I heard Kim talking about the duplication on demand, I would love to get my books that way. We can set you up for that now and you can have the opportunity to, um, to use that process. If you've got lots of requests on file, um, you, you use talking book topics to pick out, you know, your, um, your, your selections each month or whatever. The more requests you have on file or the more you choose things to read for yourself, the better this system will work for you. But um, people who are what we call auto-select, which means our computer system or our staff select books for you based on subjects, then, you know, that will work too. Um, but it's a little more random, but, you know, having us select books for you is also random. So um, if you want to try dupe on demand, then um, feel free to contact us and ask us um, about that. And we'd be happy to get you started. Um, The library had some good news recently. We were um, selected by the Institute for Museum and Library Services, which is a federal agency that supports libraries and museums. Um, And we are a finalist for the IMLS medal, which is given, it's the highest library honor in the land. And it is awarded to five libraries and five museums. um, And that'll happen in June. And 15 libraries and 15 museums were identified. And we are the only library in Massachusetts that was identified and one of only 15 in the entire country that were recognized for our outstanding services um, and what we do. So we're really proud of that. Um, It's a great honor. We're hoping we get the medal, but it's a huge honor just to be a finalist to be considered for the medal. And um, so we've been very excited about that as well. So um, that is, well, let me tell you a couple more things just sort of about how the library is um, operating, you know, sort of semi post COVID. Um, There's still, um, because we're on the Perkins campus, we're still restricted on um, visitors, guests coming to campus. Um, It's on an as needed basis. So we have not reopened our drop-in area as of yet um, because we're not, you know, encouraging um, people to come to campus who don't need to come to campus at this time to, to keep students safe since many of them are not able to be vaccinated. So, um, so our, our drop-in area is not open, but the library basically is open, you know, every day we're answering the phones every day. We have gradually started to return um, 
our some of our volunteers to the recording studio program. It's very slow because they have to be they haven't been on campus for two years, so they have to get recorded, um, rescreened, and they have to be vaccinated and provide proof of vaccination, and then get um, their their ID and passes reissued from Perkins. So it's been a gradual process. We've got, um, I think we've got about six or eight teams that are now returning to recording materials and coming in on a weekly basis, which um, for the last two years, we've had virtually no volunteers. It's just been handled by staff. So, um, you know, we, we were challenged to keep up with the magazines we record and um, very few books over the last two years have been added to the collection from the studio, but we're starting to get back on track with that, which is great. And um, so Otherwise, I would say we are, you know, staffing is is doing well. We're doing, um, we're getting everything done. The numbers are looking good. I'm pleased, and I think you know we're there and ready to um, to serve you as best we can. So, if um, if I can take some questions before my time runs out, that would be super. First, congratulations on being nominated for that uh, library award. That's, that's tremendous because that's obviously all libraries, correct? It is. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, all across the country. That, yeah, yeah. That's tremendous. Congratulations. Um, the statistic you gave of people who download or download users, um, 1,719, I think yes. you said. Bard does that also, okay. Mm-hmm. And does that include people who are downloading from the BARD app as well? Yes, it does. Uh-huh. It does. Okay. Yeah. All right. Just wanted to be sure because I'm mm-hmm. I'm a Bard you Bard app user. So, yeah. okay. Yeah, okay. There's great. a lot of um, Bard Mobile on their iPhones and smartphones, and Victor Streams are another mm-hmm. popular tool that people are using for their downloads. So yeah, so it includes everybody. Great. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just wanted to congratulate you on the work you've done with Zoom. And all the Zoom activities, because I live out here in Lemister, and I've been able to take advantage of all of them. And there's a couple of book clubs I belong to as well. Gina has one, and Aaron Fagola has one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I just wanted to ask, can you get, uh, with that Braille e-reader, can you get older Braille titles like of um, cookbooks, things like that, generally? Well, if partly, partly yes and partly no. Um, most okay. the, most Braille titles are available for the e-reader. Um, I would guess, you know how all the Braille books have a BR number and it, the number goes yeah. up and up and up. So prior to about BR, maybe six, 7,000, those uh-huh. are pretty old books, and we have no electronic files for them. So, all the right, old, right. Oldest, oldest part of the collection, there are not electronic files. But ever okay. since files were available, um, you can get you can get the the electronic files. So, a lot of cookbooks do exist um, electronically, and with an e reader, you could have that. And have them all in your possession, which would be very cool. That'd be nice. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, my question to you mm-hmm. is this, Kim. 
um, if I know I may be going to an area where downloading is going to be difficult and I decide, even though most of the time I can do it, I want to have some books downloaded to a cartridge as a double insurance, how mm-hmm. much turnaround time would you recommend that I give? I would I would recommend that you just to be safe with the fact that it's going through the mail, I would say give us a couple weeks. Um, it's not hard to set up your your um, account to get the duplication on demand cartridges with with several books on it. But um, the the variable for me is having it come through the mail. So it may take two days. It may take, you know, seven days. So just depending on how the mail is, it's the mail has actually gotten better. I mean, last year we struggled a lot because yeah. sometimes it would take two weeks for a book to come from Watertown to Quincy. Uh-huh. So, but things have gotten better. So um, I think that's, that is certainly doable and we could, we could manage that for sure. David, we only have one more raised hand. Can we take it? Yes. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. My question is in regard to what is the process for someone to request um, uh, a book be recorded in the Perkins studio? Well, the, the, the process there, there are actually two separate kind of lines of getting a book produced. Um, most of the materials we record in the studio are local interest, local titles, mm-hmm. some kind of local connection. And um, those are title recommendations that you can make to, to me, to Nancy Gahagan, our studio manager, and we'll consider them basically like we do most collection development decisions. Um, the other kind of path that materials can be added to the studio is sort of a, a fee-for-service type request on average um, it's it's usually around a hundred dollars to add a title and get it recorded through our fee-for-service system that's primarily used by um, people who have written a book and they really want to get it into the system um, and they want to do it more quickly it's it's a more expedited way to get something produced because we have a pipeline of books in our collection development side of the studio where, you know, narrators have been assigned a book and it can take them as much as six months sometimes to record a book. Um, In our expedited process, we have other narrators who are specifically assigned to do um, kind of fee for service work. They can get it done a little more quickly and um, get those titles into the process. So, it's um, it depends how somebody might want to handle that, and and the caveat right now is that we have we're just kind of getting the studio back on its feet, and so we're trying not to take a lot of fee for service work until we we sort of get back up to speed and can really handle that. But in the past, we have done that, and it has been an option for people to get something that they really really wanted recorded, but wasn't likely to be selected through other processes. So the other thing that I always recommend people do 
and this doesn't apply to like a, a self-published book or something is if there's really something you want and you don't think you can find it anywhere, ask us anyway, because we have other sources that we can pull from to try to find them. We also do, and I didn't talk about this. We have kind of a, a mega audible.com account where we, we can, you know, if a book is only available on audible and NLS doesn't have it, but you really, really want to read that book. Um, we have a process where we can download that audible book onto a Victor stream and we can loan you the Victor stream. It has to come with it. So it comes, we loan you a Victor stream with the audible book on it. You read the book, you're done with the book, you return the Victor stream. That's the way it works. Cause we can't just send you an audible book. It has to be on a device. So, so we are, um, allow you know we are providing people with access to those uh, the audible content if that's the only source for an audible book and you don't have an audible account we can do that as well thank you Mm -hmm. thank you mary very much kim for your presentation and for all that you do at the perkins library Uh, i am a huge fan of bard nfb newsline you you cited some pretty big numbers for BARD downloads. I'm probably about half of those. I just want to put in a final plug. If you are a BARD fan and you haven't used it, download and use BARD Express. I use BARD Express every day. Great. BARD has has really taken off, and especially some of you who may have noticed in the last um, six months or so, you are seeing a lot more foreign language titles on BARD, and that's because of the Marrakesh Treaty. They are starting to come in. Um, a lot of them. Now, if you find that, you know, a little bit annoying because you can't read Portuguese and Spanish and French and German, um, th- you can go in on the computer in your BARD account and go to settings and there's a place where you can change it. So you only want to see English language titles. So that can can exempt you from having to wade through all the foreign language titles that you can't understand. So that's just a tip if if you're finding that a little aggravating. But it is wonderful that Marrakesh has brought us so many, so much more content for people who read books in other languages. Thank you. Thank you Thank so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. So our next topic, exercise, why it is not boring and can be fun and so on. Um, I would like to invite uh, Leslie Spoon from Florida and Jeanette Kutash to uh, tell us a little bit about how exercising can be not boring and can be fun. Good morning. It is my pleasure to introduce Leslie Spoon, wife of President Dan Spoon, where um, they live in Orlando, Florida. She is an AAFA certified aerobics instructor. She is also a personal trainer. She owned her own women's gym called Get Fit. I love that name for five years, has taught at many national fitness centers. She has done yoga classes at nine in-person conventions in for the last three years, including this year. She has done 
Zoom yoga classes. There's also another one she will be doing. So let me tell you how this will work. Leslie is going to talk for about 10 minutes about um, her views on exercise and kind of like the things she thinks we ought to know. And then I'm going to give some information and then she's going to do um, eight to 10 minutes of a little bit of sample exercise. And then we'll take time for questions. So Leslie, welcome. Thank you, Jeanette. Good morning. And thank you, David and Bay State for having me. I really appreciate it. This is near and dear to my heart. As Jeanette says, I love exercise. The only thing that is as as dear near and dear to my heart is fundraising. <laughs> so um, I do live in Orlando, Florida. I have retinitis pigmentosa um, RP. It's a mouthful for Sunday morning. So um, and so I I had low vision for many years and um, got my certifications through AFA, which is the American Association American Fitness Aerobics Association. Um, and had a tutor that helped me get get my certifications and was able to take the test with the tutor and pass both the um, aerobics and personal training certifications. I also have many other certifications. I won't go into those so um, at this moment, but some do's and don'ts and why exercise is fun because that's our title today. So um, I love exercising and I also teach at Perkins Library with Kim. Kim Charleston has um, so graciously asked me to teach a class two times a week on Fridays, and I love doing that. It's a chair yoga, so if you guys are on that, uh, a little plug for the Perkins Library there. <laughs> That's two times a month. <laughs> two times a month, yep, yep. So two Fridays a month, so come and see us. We're, we're, we have a lot of fun. My yoga is different from like a, a conventional yoga class in a studio or a fitness center. We talk and laugh. So if you were to go into a fitness studio or a workout place, it, you do not talk when you do yoga. But I don't like just to teach and talk the whole time. So um, I want everybody to be interactive with me. And also with Zoom and not knowing what everybody's doing, I want to make sure that they're feeling the right right parts of their body and the correct positioning and everything. Um, I also teach in the ACB community five days a week, um, yoga twice and resistance and happy hour cardio. And we just started a new class, which is a circuit class, one time on Monday nights, the first Monday of the month. So that'll be coming up tomorrow night. So come in and join us if you want to. It's a circuit class at 7.30 p.m. Um, but let me, let me tell you a little bit about exercising. So if you haven't started exercising, the first thing you should do is consult your doctor. Make sure you're okay to start and everything's good to go. and don't overdo it when you first start. Um, you want to start off really slow, maybe marching, walking to your mailbox. And you're saying, oh, my gosh, that sounds really easy. But if you're just starting out, you know, maybe walking to the mailbox might be a little chore for you, you know, and, and that's fine. Because once you start, you want to start slow and easy and then increase your intensity, your duration and your fitness journey. So the next day you might say, I can walk to the, the neighbor's house, you know, and in a week you might say, I can walk to the end of the street. So, which is really awesome, you know, because that's, that's the goal. You want to increase it each day, start off, 
get a buddy if you can. That's the, the most important thing. If you can have a buddy, I call Jeanette. Jeanette calls me and we'll say, hey, are you riding today? Are you walking today? You know, um, it's really awesome because that other buddy has your back and can tell you, keep you on track with your exercise journey. <clears throat> the most important thing is to um, remember if you do stray off, don't forget you can always come back. A lot of people think, oh my gosh, I missed a day. I missed a week. I'm traveling. What am I going to do? Well, you've fallen off the wagon for a little bit. That's fine. You can come back on the wagon, you know, get back in, in the saddle and start working out again. You might have to start off slow again. Um, some good things are marching, riding a bike for five minutes when you're starting a stationary bike, walking on a treadmill. And again, I'm, I'm starting off slow because that's the way you want to go, steady and slow, and then and increase your intensity and duration, the time and the speed and how long you're doing it. So um, you might go the next week to, to 10 minutes and then increase it to 20 minutes. Same thing with weights when you're doing resistance Weights are resistance bands, or even soup cans or water bottles. You can have anything in your house. You can you can lift weights with anything. Our resistance training. Same thing. You want to start lighter weight, um, higher repetitions, and then you you're going to say, "Oh my god, this is easy." So then you're going to increase the weight and lower the repetitions. So there's a lot of things you can do um, around your house. You don't have to go buy the expensive gym memberships. You can walk in place. You can grab a soup can, do a bicep curl. You can um, do jumping jacks, squats, lunges. When you're brushing your teeth, stand on one leg for balance or do some squats. Um, when you're standing at the grocery store, you can go up on your toes and do some calf raises. So there's many things to do without even buying a gym membership. And again, remember, you want to have that buddy the buddy is the most important thing for your fitness journey. So um, I really, really um, suggest the buddy system because that buddy can really help you. You know, um, hey, are you going to walk today? And you can even talk on the phone or um, Zoom like we're doing today and say, how are you doing? How's your fitness journey going? You know, what's what's going on in your life? Yeah. And another good thing to do is do a fitness journey, do a, um, an eating guide. Um, you can track your eating, you can track your sleeping, track your fitness journey is a wonderful thing to do. Jeanette, is there something else you want me to do? We- I think we're good for now. I'm going to okay. a little bit. Gonna, we will I'm going to turn taking, it over to you then. Yes. We will be taking questions at the end. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about um, a couple of things. Um, Leslie is right. We have fun in her classes and we talk a lot, but we work. Um, other people do things differently. Some people give you directions, but they want you to be on mute. And I want to tell you about another, a couple of other blindness options. And I'm going to talk about three. One is Angelized Fitness and Nutrition. They used to advertise on the ACB links, but don't anymore. Um, if you go to that website, Angel Eyes Fitness and Nutrition, they have classes Mondays at 6.30. They do a gut and butt boost, which is exactly what it is. Abs for your 
um, butt and I mean, exercises for your butt and for all those muscles uh, in your stomach and your abdomen. Tuesdays, twice a month, they do Tai Chi at noon. Thursdays and Saturdays, they do classes at noon. And they've done boxing, pilates, stretching, dancing, circuit training. Um, With these, you can go on them. They're pretty fast moving and not for everybody. And there are only specific moments when you can ask questions. Now, that might not be for you, or it may be. Um, You can also join their membership for $5 a month or $55 a year if you want to get um, access to their recordings after the fact. Or you can do the free classes that I spoke about. There's another yoga option that may work for some. And if you uh, email Allie Slaughter at Allie Slaughter Yoga dot Allie Slaughter Yoga at gmail.com, she can tell you about her classes and her fee structure. Um, I have done her classes. I've done several other people. If you don't do Leslie's right now, she is the only one other one that I recommend. There are two other apps I want to talk about very briefly, and then Leslie's going to do her uh, exercise thing. The first one is a new app that I found and it's called Revision Fitness Production. If you do the trial and then the prescription, it's $5.99 a month or 60 bucks a year. Um, it has been designed by a multi... Uh, it's um, somebody, Marin, and I... I Tyler Marin, my husband says. So there are five parts to the app. Dashboard is where you can make your own comments. And there are also comments um, from the writer of the app. Classroom is where you can learn exercises and positions. They're very well described. And you can either hear them as audio or you can read them as text. Fitness studio is where you can hear routines. And fitness planning is where you can go through weeks of a fitness plan. Um, There is a contact us link. And um, if you're going to do this and subscribe, you have to do a liability waiver as well. Now, for those of you who know nothing about exercise, if you can't do Leslie's classes, this is one I think has real promise. There's another one that I think will be good for some of you diehards, but it's Another personal uh, training that's hard to use, harder to use. It's called Aptive, A-A-P-T-I-V-E. Their stuff is somewhat audio described depending on the trainer. So you can have coaching, um, browsing, you can have team Team is if you decide you're going to sign on with people and say, uh, I'll share with you what I'm doing. Programs, um, they have different things like a maternity program, a weight loss program, and you pick the one you want. You pick the options in the program. Um, 
the browse, you can look for different categories mm-hmm. of activities like walking, stretching, Pilates, cycling. And that's about all I have to say about that app. I guess the only other thing that I want to say that I think is so important is make it fun. You know, do what you can do. Learn to modify. And one of the things that I think about this app that we like so much is you can modify. Um, Well worth looking at all the options. And if you can't think of anything else to do, get creative. You know, buy a jump rope, um, buy a balance mat, but check with your doctor and check with all the wonderful people that work with you on your health care. Because the goal is to have fun and stay healthy for the rest of your life. And let me tell you, we have some pretty compromised people who never give up and work on Leslie's classes and are in better shape because they found a community to become a part of. And that's what you want to do when you exercise. Leslie is going to take a few minutes to do some exercise, and we're going to then have people ask questions. All right. Sounds great, Jeanette. Wonderful apps. Yay. Exciting. (laughs) All right. So we're going to sit up nice and tall in our chairs. Feet flat on the floor. Inhale, arms up overhead. Breath in through the nose. And then exhale, blow it out. Arms come back down nice and slow. You want to go slow. Inhale, arms up. Anytime you start anything, you want to do it slow. Exhale, blow it out. Good. Inhale, arms up overhead. And remember, you're smiling. Exhale, blow it out. Good, because exercise is fun. Inhale, keep your arms up, palms together. So your arms overhead, palms together. Lean over to the right. I don't know what kind of weather you all have there, but these are called my windshield wipers. Good, exhale, center. Good, inhale to the left. We get lots of rain in Florida, so we love windshield wipers here. Keep your butt on the chair. Exhale, center. Good, inhale to the right. Arms go to the right. You're feeling your waist and your hips. Exhale, center. Inhale, breathe in to the left. Exhale, center. Now keep your arms up there over your head. Just take your hands apart. Act like you have a little ball in your hands. You're going to twist to the right. You're going to feel the upper part of the back, your spinal. Exhale, center. Inhale, twist to the left. Exhale, center. Inhale, twist to the right. And exhale, center. We're always at the computer, so it's good to stretch out that back. Inhale to the left. Exhale, center. Inhale to the right. Exhale, center. Last time, inhale to the left. And exhale, center. Bring your arms down. We're going to work our neck. Stretch it out. Take your right ear towards your right shoulder. It's not going to touch. You feel should feel a stretch in the left part of the neck, left side of the neck. Good. Your abdominals are nice and tight. You're sitting up tall. Drop your chin in towards your chest and look at your right shoe. Feel the stretch go down the back of the neck. And breathe in through the nose. And exhale, blow out those candles. Good. Inhale, take your right ear back towards your right shoulder. And then exhale back to center. Nice and slow. Take your left ear towards your left shoulder. Feel that stretch in the neck. 
And I always like to tell my class to say, ah. <laughs> so if you're at home, say, ah. Good. Drop your chin in towards your chest. Look at your left shoe. Feel that stretch go down the back of your neck. Remember, you're sitting up nice and tall. Breathe in. And as you exhale, take that left ear back towards the shoulder. Breathe in here. And exhale back to center. Good. Roll your shoulders up, back, and down. Up towards your ears, back, and down. Roll those shoulders. Good. One more. Nice and slow. Good. Now you're going to lean forward. Touch your toes, shins, which is the top part, front part of your leg. Are your ankles arched that back into cow? So you're sticking out that back like there's a pitcher of water falling off your back. So stick out that booty. Your gluteus maximus is what your butt is called. You're going to tuck the belly button into your spine. Chin comes into chest. Round that back into a mad cat. Hands go right below the kneecaps. You never want to put your hands on the knees. So right below the kneecaps. Really suck those abdominals in like you're a mad cat. Breathe in. And then exhale, arch that back, touch those toes, ankles, or shins, wherever you can. Look straight ahead. And then inhale one more time into our mad cat, rounding that back, belly button into spine, chin towards chest. Make sure you're breathing. Rounding that back. Good. And exhale, arch again. Look straight ahead. Grab your toes, ankles, or shins, wherever you can. And then tuck belly button in the spine, chin in towards chest, and roll it up nice and slow. Both arms come up overhead. Looking straight ahead, palms together. You're going to just lean back into a back bend. Your feet are going to want to come off the floor. Try and keep them on the floor as much as possible. And just lean back. If you can look at your hands, go ahead. If you get dizzy, don't. And breathe. And then exhale, we're going to come to mountain pose. So your hands come right in the middle of your breastbone, which is your heart chakra. Elbows out to nine and three. And we're going to twist to the right. Keep your elbows out to nine and three. Feel that spine. And then exhale back to center. And inhale, twist to the left. So you're feeling your waist and your back. Exhale back to center. And inhale, twist to the right. And exhale back to center. And inhale, twist to the left. And back to center. Two more. Inhale, twist to the right. And back to center. One more. Inhale, twist to the left. And back to center. Let's do one more back thing because we've been sitting all weekend. Take your right arm on the back of the chair like you're taking your, your friend out for a date. So your elbow's resting on the back of the chair. Your left hand comes on the outside of your right leg. Look over your right shoulder. You're going to feel a nice spinal twist. And breathe in. And as you exhale, both arms up towards the ceiling, left arm on the back of the chair like you're dating someone, right arm on the outside of the left leg, look over your left shoulder. So that left elbow's on the back of the chair. And breathe in. And then exhale, both arms up towards the ceiling. And then exhale around. There you go. A few stretches for y'all. Back to you, Jeanette. All right. Uh, it is now time for questions. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Leslie and Jeanette. This was really interesting. Hi, Mary. Hi, Leslie. Hi, Mary. Um, you, you talked about marches and, you know, like marching, I guess, in place. And I've, I've done that too. But I'm wondering if you have tips on making sure, you, even something as simple as that, making sure that we, 
you're using, I'm using the proper stance because I you know, do. Yes, you know, I do. You can, yeah. you can think you're doing something good for you, but you might be hurting your knee, your ankle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yes. So, so when you're marching, you, when you do your sitting or standing, so when you stand and march, you're going to either lean forward and you don't want to either lean forward or lean backwards. It's common for all of us. So, um, I notice as I'm losing more of my vision, I try, I lean forward more. So I have to really focus on standing straight up. You want to put your hand on top of your head and act like you're pulling yourself up to the ceiling. And that's how you know that you're in proper, proper alignment with your stance. Okay. Either hand goes on top of your head and then your, your elbows out to nine o'clock or three o'clock. And then you'd be in that perfect stance with your shoulders back. You always want to have your feet shoulder width apart, even if you're in the chair or standing. And then you want to um, contract your abdominals. We don't say stomach stomach anymore because it's not our stomach anymore. It's our core. So if you think about an apple core, if you don't learn anything else from me today, don't ever say stomach anymore. It's core. So it's either your apple core or you think about that or you think about your abdominals and and your rectus abdominis and your transverse abdominis and your obliques. So that's all your abdominal region. So you want to have that contracted. And then you also want to have your feet shoulder width apart, pushing all your body weight through the whole part of your foot because your feet are very important in life. And then you want to start marching. So you want to bring your right foot up about if you're standing, you're going to come about chest height to get a really good march. You're going to come about hip height. So you really want to get that good march going because it's marching is cardio. Mm-hmm. So they want to get that marching going and keep your feet flat on the floor. A lot of people want to march on their toes. Don't march on your toes. So you want to use that whole foot. Are you doing it, Mary? I am. Yes. How do you feel? You feel different? Um, I, I think a little bit. I, I, I think I've been doing it somewhat correctly, but I just okay. wanted okay. to be sure. And don't stick and, out your booty. <laughs> Keep your butt in. Uh, everything straight, right? Okay. Everything is straight. Booty in. Yeah. Yeah. Knees okay. are bent. You always and, want to bend your knees. And your abdominal area should be fairly, like you said, contracted, like sort of in, tightened. In, you mean? yeah, tightened in. Yeah, okay. no, okay. no slouchy abs. Okay. So, so Mary, <laughs> when, it, when I first learned to do this, somebody said to me, think about how your abdomen, abdomen feels when you wear a girdle. Now, <laughs> we don't wear them anymore. And we women, you know, say, ugh. But it's kind of that feeling. It's like, you know, really, really pushing all those muscles mm-hmm. in. in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even okay. when you're sitting in the chair, too, even when you're at your computer, if you guys can try and think about contracting the abdominals when you sit at the computer and sitting up nice and tall, it'll help also. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you. Instead of slouching, you're welcome. Thank you. mm-hmm. Okay, Sharon, you're next. Hi, this is a wonderful presentation. Thank you both so much. Hi, Sharon. Um, hi, hi, Leslie. How are you? <laughs> Good. How are you? Good. I was actually um, Joined the meeting. talking with my, my doctor the other day about um, core exercises, and he was talk to, talking with me about something called plank. Uh-huh. Um, I love and, planks. Yes. Okay. So I just wanted to get your take on it. What he had said was to lie on the floor you know, and, and have hands and elbows on the floor and then lift your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just Correct. wondered if he, but he said there was a lot of different ways to do it. So there I are. thought I'd ask. Yeah. There are, but that's a good way to start, Sharon. And I would, I would stay with that for a while. 
Um, so you're on your elbows and your hands. I kind of make fists with my hands because I'm on my elbows. You can have your hands flat if you want to also. And then take your feet back behind you. So you're on your toes and then your abs are off the floor. You're in a straight board. Think about a straight board as possible and squeeze your booty and abs. It's great for the back and the core. And do you have any other suggestions for other variations of it? I do. Okay. <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> so when you, when you get tired of the elbows, you can go to your hands. You can also go to a side plank. You can go to a reverse plank. Um, so yeah, you can also lift one leg, but you want to stay in that nice, uh, straight body core, straight, straight, like a board. Think about like man's push up is what you're doing almost in a plank. Okay. You Thank can you also use a ball. You can also use a resistance ball. And if that's, if the, if you feel like it's too much for you, the ball's great. The big balls, the stability balls, and you can put your lower abs on the ball and your hands on the floor and that'll help you too. Sharon, okay. I have a whole plank challenge that I have. So you can always contact Leslie. You can always come to community calls. Um, we love planks. We love planks. <laughs> but I also have a whole plank challenge. So if you ever want it, email me and I'll send it to you. Okay. Thank you. Planks are great for the back, the spine, and the core. Keep your nice, nice tight alignment. Keep up the good work. Okay, David, you're next. Yes. Um, so by the nature of what I do most of the time, I'm at the computer, you know, many, many hours throughout the day. And I often get this, like, really sharp pain somewhere near the upper part of my shoulders somewhere. Uh, any specific things you'd recommend uh, for not having that happen to me so much? Relax, relax, relax. <laughs> I'm just being funny. Um, so I say your shoulders, you're tensing up your shoulders. So when you're typing, you're really bringing your, so if you can, David, right now, bring your shoulders towards your ears, like you're mad or really, really mad. See how that feels horrible. And that's probably what you're doing. So now I want you to relax your shoulder blades down. So push your shoulders down towards your spinal, towards your, towards your um, sits bones. So now you feel the chest opening, the back opening, the shoulders. This is going to feel weird to you. And you've opened, you've expanded your chest wall and your muscles. Does it feel different? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now, now bring your shoulders back up towards your ears. Now you're mad again and then relax. So you really want to open up your back and your chest and that will help that pain in the middle of your shoulder blades. Yeah. Now related to that, would it be better to have a chair with or without, um, armrests if that matters at all um you probably want to have one without if you're shrugging a lot when you're typing okay try that and see if that helps you that might help you a lot just really remember to relax your shoulder blades down a lot of people have their shoulders up towards their ears another good stretch is to bring your arm across your across your your breast and turn your thumb down, and that will relax the shoulder and stretch out the shoulder blade. Okay. Thank you. I will try those things. Yeah. When you do like planks and you know other exercises, I've done. Um, how do you strengthen your wrist? Because when I've done planks or sit ups, and sometimes you know I can feel that the pressure is all going towards. Uh, 
you know, your hands and your wrists. Mm-hmm. So when you do planks, are you doing them on your elbows or your hands? Uh, hands. Okay. So what you want to do is probably make fists and go on your knuckles for a while. So you build up your wrist. It'll be a little bit harder on the, it'll be harder doing the plank, but it'll be less on your hands. You can also make fist and go vertical with your fist. That'll be a little bit easier and less on the shoulder. So if you want to make it harder, it'll be a little harder on the plank part, but the hand will be better. And you can either go horizontal with your fist or vertical with your fist. Okay. I'll try that vertical. I've tried that horizontal and, um, it is a lot harder. I mean, it's a lot harder and it's a lot on the shoulder. If you have a ball, a resistance ball, I would, I would try it on the ball. The other thing is to um, do, if you have any light weights, like ones or twos, yep. them in your hands and do hand circles each day, five one way and five the other. That'll strengthen your wrist. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. And then also flex your wrist backwards and flex them forwards. You might be, when you're doing your exercise, you might be hyperextending your wrist, which a lot of people do. Um, I have a couple of people that just started using weights in my resistance, and they, they were telling me their wrists were hurting last week. So you're hyperextending your wrist. Try and keep them. So if you take your hand right now, flex your fingers backwards, that's hyperextending. So you want to bring it forward like you're cupping water. And that's okay. neutral wrist alignment is where you want to have your wrist. Do you feel the difference? I do. Good. So anytime you do anything and abs, you also, if, if, you're, if you're feeling your wrist and when you're doing abs, you're clenching your hands together and your elbows are coming in towards your ears, open your elbows out more towards the nine and three o'clock time. Okay. I'll try that because those are the kinds of exercises when I feel when I do that, my wrist, um, yeah. I can feel that the pressure and everything is all in you know, mm-hmm. your hands and your wrists. Push and put most of your weight in the palm of your hand, too. Okay, I'll try that. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay, telephone ending in 536. Yep, Russell Andrews. Go ahead, Russell. Good morning. Hey, yeah, good morning. So I've been practicing yoga for many years. And uh, so two, two, one observation, the way I overcame having a weak wrist was my teacher had me press on my finger pads almost to my fingertips and take the and lift the heel of my hand, take the weight off of that part of my hand. And that transfers the weight to your fingertips and off of the wrist. And mm-hmm. it took me six years of practice to be strong enough there. And that's practicing at first three times a week or three classes a week and practicing every day. So just be gentle with yourself on uh, any of this stuff. That's really true. important. Yes. Start slow. Yeah. That's what I say. And, slow. Yeah. <laughs> slow, but consistent. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So yeah. My question is how did working with um, visually challenged people, uh, change your yoga style, teaching style or did it yes it did yes it did um i have always taught to sighted individuals all my life and been in gyms with sighted individuals i 
have taught at conventions to blind and visually impaired folks, which is, you know, once a year at convention when we were in person, which I only saw them once a year. So that wasn't, it wasn't too hard. When I started the community um, calls on ACB community, I had to change my teaching style. I went to the clock. I don't know if you've noticed every time I told somebody I, I, I referenced the clock now a lot, nine and three o'clock, 12, six o'clock. That helps my students now. And it also helps me. So they've taught me a wonderful world of teaching. So my teaching skills have expanded immensely, um, which has been a, been a very cool eye opener for me um, because as, as teachers, Sometimes we get stale and stagnant. And so this has really opened a new world for me, teaching blind and visually impaired folks in the ACB community. So, yes, it has. So the joke in the yeah, community my, is that she's time challenged. My teacher. Because she <laughs> used to say like one instead of 11. Yeah. So the, my teacher, after about a year teaching with me, said I became the, like the bellwether. If she was teaching the class and she's verbalizing everything and she'd look around at me and see what I was doing. If it was right, she's describing accurately. And if I wasn't, you know, half the time it was me, but half the time it was her, you know, and she, like you just said, expanded her class and and her knowledge a lot. Yes, it does. Nancy Mates, you're next. (laughs) <laughs> so I agree with the previous uh, caller about I also take yoga and my instructor, I was I would be next to her and she would say that if I if I was doing it correctly, then she was doing it correctly kind of thing. But in regards to the wrists, I have a uh, a friend that goes to yoga with me and she said that um, she got these gels. They're like circles and she puts them either under her knees to give her knees some cushioning or under her um, palms when she's doing planks. There you go. My question, I'm sorry. My question is I use a recumbent bike for exercise and I'm finding it causes hip pain. Like I haven't done it in a couple of days just to see, and it really makes a difference. I don't feel that pain. Are there stretches I can do before or after to help that along, please? There are. And also, Nancy, do you have your bike at the correct height level? I do. Yes. Several people checked it. Yes. Okay. Okay. Because that's the number one issue with hip and knee um, Mm -hmm. on your bike is to make sure that seat is correctly positioned. So, yeah, make sure that you have a slight bend in your knee when you make that full rotation of the circle on the bike. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Yeah, there there are some stretches. there's a wonder, There's a lot of wonderful hip stretches. Um, if you can get my information, I can. I can send you some of them. Oh, wonderful! Thank you. I have about ten, and I don't. I don't think we have time to go through all. No. Of them. <laughs> Great. Thanks. Stand them. Yes, but please email me, and I'll send you some. Nancy, awesome. are you on the um, ACB uh, base hate list, or are you on the ACB yes. commute? Okay, uh, we we can get you. I am on the uh, base state. Okay, we can get you. Yeah. Guys, please. Okay, good. Thank good. you. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you. Great work. Well, Leslie, thank you so much for spending some time with us uh, this morning. Um, I'm sure a lot of folks are going to try out some of the things you recommended. I know I am. Thank you also, Jeanette, for uh, uh, your tips and tricks and, and organizing this whole session. 
Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for having me. I just want to say there will be um, a handout going out with the stuff that I talked about, because I certainly don't expect people to remember the links. So that will come out tomorrow or Tuesday. And I know we have this recorded, so it's going to show up on Council Connection one of these days, I'm sure, also, or one of these months. So, again, thank you. Thank Uh, you. Have a good rest of the convention. So we now move on to our chapter reports. Uh, We have about a half hour and about six chapters to report. So just in terms of time management, uh, you know, I'll ask each um, chapter president to speak for three or four minutes. That will allow everybody time to say something as well as maybe have a few minutes towards the end for questions. So if there are any questions, we'll hold those to the end. So I'd like to begin by asking our Boston chapter president, uh, Frank Ventura, to say a little bit about the activities of the uh, the Boston chapter. Go ahead, Thank Frank. you, Dave. Yep, okay. Thank you, David. Uh, once again, I'm Frank Ventura. I'm the president of Bay State Boston, which yes, I still consider to be a fledgling chapter, even though we've been around for five years now. Um, we, we basically have members in the greater Boston area, uh, not specifically just in the Boston proper. And... Uh, when we joined, the, uh, formulated the chapter, obviously it was pre-COVID, and we were happily meeting in the YMCA in uh, uh, Roxbury, and along comes COVID, and I, I personally did not expect it to be such a big deal as it was. I thought it would be over sooner than it was. Uh, I put faith in medicine, and and it, and since then, we've still been meeting virtually, uh, but when life throws lemons, we've been making lemonade. So the you know, the flip side of not being able to uh, meet in person is that we've been having some speakers from here, there, and everywhere, as opposed to just people who could physically make it to Vox Bay YMCA. In fact, uh, next week when we have our May meeting, when we have quarterly meetings for Saturday, uh, our speaker is actually going to be in New York. So it was an, uh, both a curse and a blessing and an opportunity. And I'd also... Yeah, take this opportunity. I know I'm running a little low on time here to thank my wonderful officers. I got my VP, Tim, got my secretary, Jeanette, and my treasurer, John, all who do great work and help me out. Couldn't do it without them. And of course, you know, thanking everyone who joins us and we welcome everyone. And if anybody is interested in getting on our mailing list or getting more information, feel free to email me. It's my first name, Frank, at Little Breezes, little like the L I T T L E, Breezes, like B R E E Z E S, littlebreezes.com. And I think I just made that under the gun. So thank you, David, for the opportunity. Thank you, Frank, and thank you for excellent time management. Uh, next up is Sharon Strakowski, Central Mass. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I first want to uh, acknowledge the passing of one of our members who some of you might have known, Sharon Latka Davis. She was very active with us and did a lot with audio description in the theater, particularly. Um, And I also want to acknowledge Nona, who was our secretary for quite a while, and she termed out. And now we have Jim Locke, who is doing a wonderful job. Um, We, too, of course, have had to go on to Zoom. We're going to be hybrid um, in in June, excuse me, uh, so that people are comfortable. We have a spot in the Worcester Public Library where we can meet and also use Zoom. Uh, we just had a speaker from the Lions Club, which was very interesting. Um, many of you probably read about our Polar Park tour. Um, 
uh, last, I don't know, October or something like that, whenever it was. And uh, we had Jennifer Harnish as a speaker. And we've had a few new members. And the, the final thing that I want to mention is that we created our own distribution list. Previously, the secretary kept one and any announcements that any of us wanted to make uh, went through her or in the, and now Jim. Um, so we created a list uh, on groups.io and that inspiration came from the Boston chapter because I think they've done something similar. And this means that we can share announcements about things. Finally, I want to say that uh, transportation is still a big thing for us and we're trying to convince the paratransit in our area to do a tracking app so that we can know when our rides are coming. We have an active community at Worcester Polytechnic Institute, uh, and they had done an app for Audio Journal, and we're hoping that they can partner with the WRTA to do that app. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. Uh, David Morrison, president of the Charles River Chapter. David. Maybe we could skip ahead to Chris Devon from South Shore. Okay. Hello, everybody. Good morning. Um, I am not Bartholomew Cubbins, but I have three hats here in this organization. I'm going to take my little five minutes to sort of use all three. I'm certainly going to talk about the chapter. I'm going to talk about the history because there was a little confusion yesterday in what was said. It's it's what it's halfway true, but not quite. And I'll explain. And then um, I am the also the chairman of the Constitution and Bylaws Committee, and I'm not on the committee list uh, for a report because I don't really need that. Uh, full report time, but I just want to throw in. So I'll take uh, maybe, maybe my five. I reserve the balance of my time here for the five minutes like they do in Congress or whatever it is. Okay, our chapter. Well, we're an older chapter. We are people in our 60s and 70s, uh, primarily a couple younger members, but basically 60s and 70s. So we really didn't feel the need to meet. Usually what we do when we meet, we meet a couple of times a year and we go over what's been going on. We usually have somebody on our on the board calls to make sure we're up to date. And, of course, people are on the email list, so they're up to date. But we make sure everybody understands what's going on with upcoming meetings for the Bay State Council and things of that sort. Uh, we like to meet in person. And so what we have been doing is meeting at this place called the Connection Cafe in Holbrook. And what happened was uh, we weren't sure what was going on and, you know, with all the restrictions. We just felt everybody was pretty healthy and nobody got COVID, to my knowledge, in the chapter. And everybody got through okay. But there were some other health concerns people had that they had to get through. So basically we haven't met since the fall of 2019. However, we've been paying our dues. We're going to uh, reimburse the treasury. The uh, treasury already paid the dues for our 2022 membership and uh, everybody will reimburse. And I'm happy to announce that we're working towards having a meeting in May or June, probably towards the end of May or the beginning of June. Um, we, I got a hold this morning of the Connection Cafe. Miss A said they were in business, but I hadn't talked to anybody there yet but they're going to call me back and we're going to work out. There's a couple dates that aren't good for us, but we're going to see what we can do and get back in there. And she sounded like she was ready to go with that. She wasn't one of the managers, but uh, she will tell one of them and we'll work that out. So I'm expecting uh, to be notifying people soon about an upcoming meeting. So that'll be cool. Um, as far as the history. Okay. This is not the 50th anniversary of Bay State Council of the Blind. That is 19, in uh, 2026. Bay State Council of the Blind was formed on June 27th of 1976 at the Lenox Hotel, where we adopted our constitution and all that. Our first convention was at the 1200 Beacon Street Hotel in Brookline, October 1st, 
second and third of 1976. What happened in 1972 was the Blind Leadership Club joined ACB. So what happened was they got in touch with Gerard McDaniel. He came up, I think, and spoke to them. This is before I joined. I joined in July. The organization started about a year before I joined, came out of a, a MAB social group of younger people who said, hey, we want, we want to get jobs. We want to uh, get involved with our community. So they formed the Blind Leadership Club. It became the state affiliate of uh, ACB in 1972. So that's the 50th anniversary of our association with ACB, which David kind of said, but it was not Bay State Council. It was not Bay State Council until 1976. And what happened by the benefit of the Bay State Council uh, by becoming that, we had Otis Stevens, who was here and a former ACB president and a fellow at Harvard uh, for a year. And of course, a political science teacher at the University of Tennessee and the late Otis Stevens, a great guy. And he came up here and helped us organize, reached out to some of the older folks because we were all in our 20s. All us that are now in our 70s or we're in our 20s. And, uh, you know, so he reached out to some older folks. We immediately got an infusion of membership from about 30 up to about 50 when we started Bay State Council. And, you know, off we went in 1976. So that's what happened with that. But it's the association with ACB that's 50 years. And Terry Pacheco was the, uh, was right about that. But the Bay State itself is 46 years. And my third hat, Constitution and Bylaws. I noticed during the uh, during the convention here, we have a lot of nice wordsmiths out there. Basically, our committee is a three-person committee. It's me and Steve Dresser and Jessica Barr. And I'd like to thank them for their hard work on the on the committee and uh, what uh, what we've been doing over the years. But if anybody is interested in joining our committee and you like to do some wordsmithing and you like to look at the Constitution, I think we're in good shape now with the changes we made yesterday. I think we've updated things, but it always needs a little tinkering and always needs a little updating. And some years we don't have anything that we need to do. Other years we do. We did yesterday. And uh, thanks to the membership for uh, helping us with that and uh, the friendly amendments, et cetera. But that's what I mean. We have people out there who can come up with friendly amendments and things that we can use. And so, uh, you know, new, new ideas, new thoughts on things that can help. So if you would like to join uh, the committee chair, um, contact information is available. I know. And if not, you could get in touch with David and he can get, put you in touch with me and uh, we can work that out. The committees are reformed. And now that David is a full fledged two year president, he will reform the committees, uh, in, uh, you know, in the next couple of months. That's one of his first duties. Hey, and when hey. we do that, we can, um, we can, uh, if anybody new is interested in being on Constitution and Bylaws, uh, you wordsmiths out there and you guys who are interested in the organization, get in touch with me uh, through David or through the committee list, and we'll go from there. And thank you, David, and everybody else. Thank you, Chris. And, uh, well, I stand corrected on the anniversary, but we can count this as a 50th year anniversary this year, and then we can do it again in four years. So there's the good That's news. right. Anytime yes. we can have a party and a celebration, I'm there. Oh, I just uh, have learned so much from uh, from the other presidents. Uh, so uh, bear with me. Uh, remembering in college when I was asked, uh, did I act without thinking or think without acting? I hope you'll permit me as I've written a few things down last night for this morning. I think you've seen me before. So who is this guy and what am I up to? David Morrison speaking. So I'm the pie guy who sorely missed this winter's Yankee swap and dinner at John Brewer's and outbid myself for a bird book last night. 
Incidentally, uh, I took Hadley's birdsong class and have walked on a tour through Mount Auburn Cemetery with Jerry Barrier. And to this day, with pride, I can say I can identify by birdsong the Canada Goose, the Northern Loon, and the Morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, the Morning Dove. So I'm the newly elected president of the Charles Ruber chapter, a placeholder amongst the heavy hitters. Ashley Colburn, our able vice president, introduced us last month to Marty Schultz, the inventor and developer of blindfold games. Now, I played blackjack in high school and shot the moon the first time I played hearts in college and bought my roommate a deck of braille playing cards at the Carroll Center in 2003. So Marty Schultz introduced us to not only card games and board games, but also those encouraging orientation and mobility skill training. And my favorite is caring for my doggy, which starts out at $2 and asks for another $11 for unlimited upgrades. And I say, Brian, we could learn something from this guy. Uh, I don't know yet what the Charles River chapter will do this June. I do look forward to getting wet in the pool on Grandview Avenue this summer. And I did want to win those chocolate chip cookies last night. My wife says David has low vision because no one knows what legally blind really means. And at the Carroll Center, I was introduced to Zoom text in 2003. And the use of it at work enabled me to stay in the world of work another five years. To the Mass Commission for the Blind, I say, money well spent. However, when my Dell Tower lost room for more memory, I traded in for an Apple iPad and an iPhone, and I've never looked back. By the way, before going out to dinner last night, I took photos of the front and back of my vaccination card and put it in memos on my phone for show and tell, and if I lose the hard copy. So in my closet amongst the T-shirts are those of the Carroll Center, the Hadley School, my Perkins hat, and of course, my Bay State Council for the Blind t-shirt. Now, I have walked with our Massachusetts Senator Brownsberger in the Mother's Day Walk for Peace, and I promise you I will send him a note concerning the staff shortages at Mass Commission for the Blind and the of the many folks awaiting orientation and mobility training, and of the need to increase from level funding the library budgets of Perkins and Worcester. I also have a mug from the Massachusetts 
Association of the Blind and Visually Impaired. As I've been a member since 2003, and I'm the coordinator of the peer support group that has met at Perkins School for years, yet has been virtual the last two and a half years. I would like to think my meeting summaries sent out each month and not my humor have helped keep us together. That and having Amy Rule as my Zoom host. I also volunteer in the Assistive Device Center at Perkins several days a week. PVC pipe is my material of choice. And I've helped make a walker for a three-year-old and pre-canes too bead curtains and wind chimes and little rooms and much more. I feel very rich, although my wife just shook her head when she heard my bidding last night. You promised, she said, and I did. Please forgive me. The hat and the afghan will make great Christmas presents. Yes, we have much to do, and together we can do most anything we set our sights on. So thank you for listening and best wishes all peace and goodwill. Thank you, David. Uh, BSCB has two special interest chapters. And the first one uh, that we will uh, have um, discussed is the guide dog users of Massachusetts, president Carl Richardson. Carl, if you could say a few words. Thank you, everybody. Um, like like some of the others, we, we haven't been quite as active as we could be, but I've actually started having dialogue with at least two of the board members about getting more active. You know, before the pandemic, we were meeting quite regularly and having meetings, and we were about to have a meeting to do where our, our dog ophthalmologist was going to come and give free eye exams, and we literally had to cancel the meeting a week or two before that meeting started. We have had a few remote meetings. We did one on the use of smart callers and guide dogs that IBM is working on, and that was a well-attended meeting. In fact, that is being duplicated, and I will be hosting that at that same topic at the GDI convention this summer since some progress had been made in the area of smart callers. We did one on what to do with your dog on, uh, during the pandemic to keep them motivated and exercise because uh, at that point, many of us were staying home and not doing much. And I think we did another one just to check in and see how everybody's doing. However, it has been some time since we've done anything. But I can tell you that I've already started a board and I have already started looking into doing one on how the schools have changed their training as a result of the pandemic. Many of them now are doing extensive home training. They've lengthened, I mean, shortened the amount of training. They do training differently so they minimize contact. And I think that would be good for the community to know. So I'm hoping that we can do that uh, in, in, in mid-June sometime. And then in the fall, I'm hoping that places like the Cal Center and Perkins will feel more receptive to hosting a group get-together so that we can all get together as guide dogs. And then around the holiday season, we can once again do our traditional pod, uh, Yankee pod swap, where we swap gifts for dogs. So it has been a bit inactive, but, um, but, but like the case of the um, South Shore chapter, we have been paying our dues. And we do occasionally help out 
individuals with with consumer issues, uh, like dealing with uh, the rules that have changed due to air transportation flying. Now you have to submit proof of, of having a guide dog, and you know those sort of things. So and and. And recently, I helped out an individual who got refused on Uber. So we're still doing some things. It just hasn't been quite as active. And the other thing is, I did, and I'd love to hear, and maybe we could make this a Bay State slash GDUM event. Um, last night, for those who you mentioned on the auction, I've been working with the Arsenal's, uh, what they call the Majestic 7 on their audio description equipment, and they've got it running and it worked great. And he has said, the manager of the theater, Jim Joyce, has said he would love to do a movie where he did audio description and invited the whole blind community to come to the theater at once. And we just all sit together and watch the movie. So that might be something we'll look into. So if anybody wants to work on that one with me, because that would be bigger than just one person, I'd love to hear somebody from anybody on this call just some meaning. So in closing, we, we haven't been quite as active as we could be, but we will be holding a meeting soon among the officers, Jeannie Fairley, Jennifer Harness, Daisy Sh- Russell, um, and Kim Charlson, and myself. And hopefully, well, the first meeting will be how the guide dog schools have changed their training due to the pandemic and other concerns of the guide dog using committee. And then we'll move forward and hopefully have more meetings moving forward. Thank you. Thank you, Carl. Uh, That last event you mentioned, that might be an interesting uh, thing for the social committee to take up at some point. Always looking for ideas. We'll get to committees a little later. Uh, I'd love to hear someone. The social committee, and we can do that together. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, now, our last um, uh, but not least chapter is the um, student chapter. Uh, I've looked down the list. I don't see Nick Claudio there, but I will, just in case he's hiding out somewhere, I will just pause a moment. Okay. Well, let, let me mention. Let me say a couple of additional things before either Nick shows up or we move on for a few questions. Uh, one, if, if Nick were here, I am sure he would mention that uh, a few Sundays ago, it was a couple of weeks ago or so, uh, the student chapter uh, organized a a game day, and it was. Uh, uh, and that was held at the Carroll Center. The Carroll Center is very nice in, in offering uh, facilities for free. And apparently a good time was had by all. I think about a dozen folks showed up at that. So I will just mention that on behalf of, uh, of uh, Nick. And a second thing I'd like to mention is that um, one thing that some folks are thinking about, it's, it's um, sort of a, a project, is perhaps... Um, seeing if we could organize a uh, chapter in Western Massachusetts, because uh, we go as far out as Central Mass and we sort of stop there. So I know a few people have been thinking about that. Hopefully that's maybe something we get started up sometime over the next year or so. So I just want to mention those two other things. Uh, if Nick uh, does arrive before 1130, we'll give him a few words. Uh, David Morrison, uh, uh, Carl, think about the movie Coda, which is audio described and uh, closed caption as well for that movie you were thinking about for the blind community, Coda, which won, of course, best movie this last year. Is it Coda or Dakota? C-O-D-A for child of deaf adult. 
Child okay. of Deaf Adults, CODA. Yeah, actually, actually, David, um, that is a good one. And Perkins recently showed it on their uh, Zoom, but I think it would be much better in person because there were some issues. So that is a good possibility. I'm just curious if, if David or anyone knows the statistic about what percentage of people who are BSCB members are also chapter members. Anybody a membership committee has an idea of that? Um, I don't, we definitely have the, we definitely keep those because in the, uh, you know, the database we have, we have a column there and it, uh, it has the different committee, the different chapters listed. And in theory, well, yeah, we should have those numbers because that also feeds into how, how dues are paid. Um, and we also the, have multiple chapter members because you'll have a person who's in guide dogs and might be in a local chapter too. Right. So there's, there's that as well. Yeah. I was thinking about it as a means to build up the chapters. I'm guessing, I'm going to guess about half the people are in chapters and half aren't. That's just a ballpark. I have no clue, but I'm just thinking that might, we have about 15 members. I know that. And, you know, we could sit here and add them up and blah, blah, blah. And then we could see multiples, but I'm, I'm thinking, about half are, are in chapters and half aren't. You know, that's just Thanks. a guess. Um, Cheryl's on the call. I don't know if you want to ask her. And then we have another raised hand. So um, I don't have a number and I don't want to guesstimate. Um, I know Mary was head of the membership committee um, many more years than I've been. So maybe she she has some information. I guess the statistic doesn't matter you know that much except as i as i said thinking about it as a way to capture more chapter members and i do realize that there are parts of the state that don't have chapters no but it's a, i mean I, I think it's something we can do um because you know we find we have like our numbers for 2022 pretty much so it's it you know just would take a little bit of uh, I mean, just that might be something if you guys compile it just for the interest of the group to send out to the list, you know, just yeah. make, be kind of fun. When I had looked at that comparison, it, at one point, it looked like it was about 20 percent of members were members at large. OK. Roughly. Mm-hmm. OK, we can easily get that because it's all in the, um, in the that's, spreadsheet. that's pretty cool, because the more active, you know, obviously it's like anything else. Uh, the more people that are in chapters, the more active they're showing that they are. They're, they're willing to put in some time other than just having your name on a list, which is what an at-large member can kind of do, you know. And uh, so if you're a chapter member, you're you're a more active member. That's really good. I'm interested in joining the uh, South Shore chapter, but I live in Plymouth, so I couldn't physically get there. It's, you know, you can't get there from here kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's okay to do, right? Just to support Absolutely. it. Okay. Very good. Absolutely. Thank you. Yep. Let me say thank you very much to all of our chapter presidents for their reports, but more importantly for you know the work that you all do uh, to keep people active. You know, we have these two annual events, the convention, we have the fall conference, we have uh, uh, social um, committee events. But really, the most regular thing, when they are regular, are um, chapter uh, meetings. And um, thank you for all of that work. And uh, the more regular those can become, um, then 
then the better that is. And in the magic, this magical era of Zoom, um, it's not so hard to organize those. So thank you. Uh, our last um, agenda item are committee reports. And um, what I'd like to do, go, uh, I'd like to go a little bit slightly out of uh, order um, and start with uh, Brian Charlson, who will talk a little bit about uh, fundraising. Brian and Kim uh, early this afternoon are going to go to a, um, a described place. So we want to make sure that they get there in time for that. So, Brian, would you like to speak a little bit about uh, our fundraising events, including last night's big success? <laughs> Maybe Brian can come in a little later. Uh, uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Harnish, would you like to say something about what used to be called our legislative committee, now officially renamed advocacy? Yes, thank you. Um, so the advocacy committee um in the hands of Deanne Elliott for many years um, has been a hard act to follow. Um, and I'm still very much in a learning phase. Um, and I'll say one of the, the challenges I think this committee faces is just, we could be so broad um, as uh, in our organization with how far ranging our adv advocacy efforts could go. And as I was thinking through what's been happening over the past, even just a few months, um, you know, on the federal level. So we participated on the federal level in ACB's uh, leadership slash legislative um, seminar. And basically, as members of BSCB were busy advocating with their federal level senators and representatives, um, in jumped a really critical statewide advocacy effort for uh, funding in the budget of the Commonwealth for blindness services. And I remember our, our biggest uh, issue then was for myself and others understanding that, oh, wait, we have federal senators and reps and we have state level senators and reps. So all of those efforts were kind of thrown together around the same time, but it was very much needed for those efforts. On the federal level, uh, just give an example of a couple of the, um, the efforts that were being advocated for. So uh, accessible um, exercise opportunities and equipment, um, also accessible medical devices. So it was just one example, diabetes monitoring devices. Um, also was expanding and updating the 21st Century Communications Act to include something like uh, streaming services. And, uh, you know, it took a lot of learning um, from those who were speaking to their federal reps and senators to um, share with them the importance of those um, of those items um, to blind and low vision individuals. Um, also, you know, Cheryl has uh, spoken and will continue to very uh, strongly on electronic voting, um, how critical that is. And certainly, as we learned yesterday, how those efforts will continue. Um, and then certainly there are efforts that can happen on a very local level. Um, you know, we were called on as an organization, if your uh, town, for example, had uh, voting happening that, um, you know, to advocate for 
accessible electronic voting um, at your uh, town or uh, town level. So, you know, those are just very uh, broad examples. And I think as a committee, um, my big effort is going to be recruiting individuals, so many of you here, who I know have passions and talents and interests in a full variety of areas of advocacy um, and to for me to be able to be in this role, it's really going to take a real um, team effort um, of training or uh, having individuals with a level of commitment and interest to take a lead or be part of a small group who's working towards a goal. And that's really my message, I think, in wrapping up uh, my piece here is really uh, encouraging everyone and anyone who's here today to really consider what role they want to play in advocating for areas of interest to themselves or to the broader blindness and low vision community. And you could reach out to me, um, you know, at any time to do that. And my contact information is on the Bay State website. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Jennifer. Now, Brian, I know you were you were a little late getting on the call because you were busy counting up uh, money from last night. But uh, it's your turn. Talk a little bit about fundraising. Uh, I want to talk about fundraising. And it's one of those things that uh, we all know we need to do. But frequently, it's kind of a heavy lift kind of situation. I want to thank everybody involved in last night's auction. It was very, very financially successful. Thank you, Nona, for counting up the $3,350 worth of bids that we will be, through the assistance of our treasurer, uh, Nick, we will be sending out the necessary bits and pieces associated with uh, the billing for that. Uh, lots of shipping going to be happening in the next few days. <clears throat> now, there are three different ways that Bay State is involved in fundraising right now. One is the auction. The second is the Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk. It is a joint effort of the national organization, ACB, and its affiliates. Kim and I do a annual team called the Patriots team. And the money that we raise through that activity is divided evenly between ACB and BSCB. We've been very lucky in recent years. We found a, a what would you call them? An angel, <laughs> an angel funder who's been donating significantly to that <clears throat> campaign. Uh, and we hope that this year, we will do a great deal more when it comes to getting individual pledges for our walking team. As with the national convention, it will be a virtual and in-person walk. Uh, Kim and I will not be participating in the actual walk this year. We just found out the other day that uh, Kim has been accepted in for knee replacement. So, we will not be attending the national convention for the first time in many years because it will cross over her healing part of process. And even so, I think that uh, if we had gone, she still wouldn't have been ready to do that actual walk. Nonetheless, we'll be reaching out to all of our members to get them to be involved in getting pledges for the Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk. The third thing is a process called the MMS program. Uh, monitor 
I always get what the initials stand for. Uh, anyway, it allows individuals to commit to donating a certain dollar amount each month by direct withdrawal from your checking account. Uh, we have a half a dozen members of Bay State who participate in this project, so it does not raise much money at this point. And again, you can choose to divide between national and state support. So we'll be doing a great deal more promoting of that program during the course of 2002-2003. Last thing I wanted to mention is that I am currently a committee of one, and uh, that's no way to run a railroad. So I hope that there are people out there who enjoy the idea of creating social activities that also generate funds. If you've been a member of the PTA, you know how important it is to get involvement of lots of people when it comes to raising funds for good causes. So I'm looking for people who have a good imagination to do these kinds of things, whether it be a raffle or a bingo party or a, well, any number of different ideas one might have to raise money. The more places we raise money from, the less dependent we are on the success of any one activity. So fundraising, an important thing. If you are interested in participating, that doesn't mean you have to be the one who is selling the tickets necessarily, but coming up with the ideas and dealing with some of the logistics would really be helpful. So that concludes my report. Thank you very much, everybody. And now uh, the Charlson family will be heading out to Wheelock Family Theater, and we get a chance to talk about the importance of audio description in live theater, as you know, a, a big passion of ours. Thank you, Brian. Um, uh, Diane, I, I think I saw you raise your hand. If it's a quick question and it's just on that topic, uh, and because I know Brian's leaving, you can ask. Hi. Yes, it is a quick question. And I just was wondering, um, what is the number for the uh, amount of money raised from the auction last night? I missed it. $3,350. Thank you so much. I'll give you two other interesting statistics you can throw in there. This was as a result of generous donations by 15 people, one chapter, and two companies. Thank so, you. A diverse group of, of things that we got into the auction. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brian. Good question. And thanks for uh, getting all of that out there uh, via social media. Next up is our membership committee chair, Cheryl Cummings. Good, good morning. Um, so, probably I'm a little biased, but I really think the membership committee is one of the best committees to be on. Because, um, I mean, what we're really working on is, you know, earlier yesterday and today you've heard people talk about sort of the focus on um, expanding our membership, uh, trying to get younger people involved and trying to get people from uh, diverse ethnic and racial backgrounds involved. And that's what our membership committee is doing. We work on... I'd say recruitment and retention of of members, um, and we meet every month, usually the second uh, Monday of the month. Uh, things might change, you know, if there's a conflict. Uh, our next meeting is on May seventeenth. That's a Tuesday. You're going to say, Cheryl? Um, yes, it is. 
<laughs> we're meeting on the Tuesday, May 17th at 7.30. And I think we're doing some really fun things. I mean, um, if, if folks will remember, I think in February, we did a presentation as part of the third Thursday um, presentation. Uh, and, and one of the questions we asked is we asked people to talk about words they associate uh, with BSCB. So we're going to take all that feedback and try to like develop some words which we think um, will be easily descriptors for BSCB. I think one of the things we want to work on is to develop like what is now called a, our elevator pitch. So when we're running to people and they're like, "What is BSCB? What do you what do you guys do?" That we will have something you know, the two, three sentence thing that we can say that quickly describes BSCB. Um, as I said, we're interested in both recruitment and retention. So um, there are currently four, in addition to myself, four BSCB members who participate on a committee. We would love to have additional members join us. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a fun uh, committee. I think with a lot of uh, opportunities to get involved and to help BSCB to be around to celebrate its next uh, forty six or fifty years. Um, if you're interested, first, if you're interested in, in being a member, if you're just sort of hanging out uh, and you would interested in being a member please visit our, our website, which is acbofma.org. There's information there to become a member. Um, and, uh, yeah, please, please get involved. It's really a fantastic committee. Thank you so much. My question, a quick question. If you have it on the top, off the top of your head, maybe you don't. Uh, what is our final membership tally for this year, 2022, if you happen to know it? Um, I do. So it's not final because with this, these are all the people who got their dues in in time and who were certified. And this is the number that ACB will use to, you know, give us our voting, um, our vote allotment for the national convention. We were at uh, 179. Um, but there are still opportunities. If anybody joins us between now and the, I want to say the 23rd of May, um, we will, we can still get you into the database and that you will get the, you will have the opportunity to vote. So please join us, sign up, tell your friends about us, um, you know. Tell random strangers about us. <laughs> Just anybody on the street. Yep. <laughs> get, get and they don't even to be it. blind. They don't need to even need to be blind, low vision, or uh, legally blind, or whatever you call it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank All you. Right. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Uh, next up, a committee very uh, dear to my heart because I was the chair of it uh, for a, f a number of years, um, although it was called the Publications Committee up until just yesterday. And that is our newly christened Communications Committee. Uh, Sharon. Uh, I just want to say that it is uh, like Cheryl, we have a really good committee. Um, people have really taken on definite areas 
uh, and that's been really important. I want to thank Jerry Barrier, who was on our committee for quite a while, had a lot to offer, and um, he has a conflict with um, our meeting time and other responsibilities. But Diana Leonard, uh, who's not even in the state right now, but she's still very much part of us, um, is doing our Facebook and our Twitter, and she's excellent at it. I don't know about Instagram, if we're on that or not, but I know we're on those two. And I've been seeing an uptick in posts um, that she's been putting on. So that's really good. Um, she also does Bay Lines Express, which comes out on the 25th of each month. And uh, that has a compilation of board minutes and, and things that are happening with the board publications from other places, events that are going on. And then we have articles that Myra Ross is finding for us, often taking a lot of time and at great lengths to make it happen. Uh, for instance, the one last night that we were talking about the maple sugar uh, that um, ended up in an auction item. So that was really pretty cool. Uh, so she does that. Uh, and then we have uh, Third Thursday, uh, which is a presentation each third Thursday at 8 p.m. And um, I'm basically in charge of that. Um, but I've gotten lots of wonderful ideas from our membership, and that's great. And I want to thank Tim for being a very patient and helpful host uh, at those events. So the next one will be on the 19th of this month, and it'll be Meg Robertson uh, with Mass Commission for the Blind. She retired from there but has been a mobility expert for a long time. She will be speaking as well as, um, oh, Jim Badger, uh, who is a rehab teacher uh, and has a lot of experience with different navigation apps. So that should be very, very interesting. Uh, let's see. Um, then we have Steve Dresser, who is our webmaster, and he's really worked hard on a couple different avenues. First of all, getting Fillmore to be more accessible. That's our phone system. And he puts up there the council connection, the show that he does every month. Uh, and uh, that's also as a podcast. Uh, he also, for instance, put up the um, amendments to the constitution and resolutions so that people could go at their leisure and listen to them. And uh, Cindy... Uh, has been helping with Fillmore, uh, tremendously so with registration for this convention, but also just monitoring it and answering calls. And that's been very helpful. Uh, another thing that Steve has been involved with is kind of upgrading the website a little bit. And Diana has been helping with visuals in that. And we may from time to time use the help of a consultant that we have found nationally that has worked with other affiliates to help with that. Uh, let me think. Is there anything else? Um, I think that's about, and David, he supervises us, <laughs> right, David, <laughs> and gives us ideas. Um, so I think we're, we're, we're doing well. Um, if someone would like to join us, I'd be very happy to speak with you more about it. Uh, we always can look for more ideas, and um, I think that's it. Thank you. Next up, Rosemary Miller, Social Committee. We are doing various things. We had our last uh, social event 
on the 26th of March, and it was a story slam. Success, success, success. It was over 26 people. We had three winners um, of the story slam, and they each received a $25 uh, e-card and um, with their stories that they told us about. And um, we need more ideas and input from other people as well. So please join us. We And as you heard uh, other people speaking there, they belong to different areas um, of Bay State and um, they're able to participate as well as you out there now can participate as well because you don't have to only be on one committee or one uh, place to, to share your knowledge and information. Um, as Cheryl says that they have um, membership, so you can join the membership. You can join the publications, communication, advocacy, um, you know, any one of those areas. Don't be shy. Fundraising, um, social committee. We had three events or four events. So we try to meet maybe at the convenience of other people, maybe two, three times a year. Um, we've gone bowling. We've gone to the museums. We went to a clock museum. Uh, we went to the Paul Revere House. Uh, we also have gone to... Um, on the duck tour and we've gone out to eat. So it's social committee has done a lot of different things over the past four years that I've been involved. And um, so I really appreciate it. If folks would join us, um, our next meeting is going to be on June 7th. And if you want to join in, um, please do so. It's open to anyone that wants to join or listen in to what we're doing. My time is up. And you guys have a good afternoon. Thank you, Rose. The last committee, and at least for the moment, the least, is transportation. Why the least? Because I'm in charge of it, and I admit I have not really done much of anything about it uh, in the last few months. But I promise to change that starting this coming week. Um, so we envisage putting together a transportation committee uh, with the idea that it be statewide. Traditionally. Uh, BSCB has done a good amount in the MBTA area, uh, but not necessarily as an organization in other parts of the state. So we want to be sure that this does have statewide representation. So definitely the MBTA area. area. Uh, Sharon mentioned some things that uh, they're doing in Worcester. Uh, I know there are folks interested in Western Mass. I also know that there's at least one person interested on Cape Cod. So I do promise to reach out to folks starting next week to see if we can get that up and going. Another interesting thing that I heard this weekend was that the commissioner, the MCB commissioner, said that he would be interested in working with us on some initiatives that make sense to be statewide types of initiatives. So uh, I think if we can identify some things like that, uh, maybe we can get a little bit more oomph in what we do if uh, we get MCB on board and helping us out also. So the final thing I'll say about transportation is 
it can be a hard slog. It can be tough because I think we all have the experience of having problems with our various RTAs, you know, regional transport uh, authorities. And sometimes it, it sounds like, you know, you're, um, you're, uh, I don't know what it, the word is, barking uphill or something like that, whatever it is, you know what I mean, you know, um, uh, what you're saying falls on deaf ears or something like that. So it can be a slog. Um, but I think as an organization, we have a better chance of getting some things done than if we if you're just an individual. It may also be the case that, you know, different we can learn interesting things that are being done in one RTA that might be useful to adopt in another RTA. Uh, MBTA, those of us who work with the T, um, they have some interesting things going on. They have some areas where they could perhaps also learn from other parts of the state. So um, I have some people in my mind who I'd like to ask to join the Transportation Committee, but I'd also say if some of you are interested in joining, or maybe you're not interested in joining the committee, but there is a specific transportation issue that you would like us to do something about, uh, please contact me, you know, where to find my email on the website and so on. And maybe we can take that uh, particular issue up. So that is it for our committee reports. Have you spoken at all to the um, mobility instructor from the commission about, um, you know, whether she has any input for your third Thursday call. Which one, which instructor? I mean, Meg. The, the new the- hire for the, I don't remember her name, the new um, director, uh, the, uh, the new head of the mobility department at the commission. Excuse me. Oh, I wonder who that is. I, that I would be um, Allie Bull. Oh, thank you. I could not think of her name. No, no, that's all right. She worked at the Carroll Center oh, for a summer. Okay, too. okay. Near that's a good idea, Jeanette. I had gone with Meg because she responded um, to a request for this on third Thursday. But I think that's an excellent idea. How do you spell the last name, uh, Jennifer? Um, if you call the commission and, I'll get, I'll get her. and yeah. check with the mobility department, I might have it somewhere. If I do, I'll send you an email as soon as I find right. your email address. I, I think the, the, her name is Allison Bull. B U L L. Bull. Okay. Thank you. B, it's Allison A L L Y S O N. B U L L. Her name. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think the particular thrust of this third Thursday is um, m- about navigation apps. and. Um, but she's very knowledgeable, and I right. don't know whether she, I, I suspect, just based on having seen her a little bit on a couple of calls, that it might be worth just having a chat with her. Absolutely. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Okay. Okay. Mary's next. Okay, thank you. Uh, so I just <clears throat> wanted to let David know while I'm thinking of it so I don't back out that I would be interested in joining the transportation committee to work on matters here in Central Mass. So Great. everybody heard that. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, excellent. Excellent. 
Do we have any yeah, other questions? I wonder if you could mm-hmm. give us, or you know, if Nick is uh, available, Nick the treasurer, is, uh, Nick uh, Corbett is available, to give us, we forgot as a planning committee to include treasurer's report, and we've always had one. And I'm just wondering, even if it's a thumbnail about like kind of what we've got and where we are and how things are looking this year. Chris, uh, I'm not seeing him here at okay. the moment yeah. unless he's on a phone number that we don't know about. Right. Well, yeah, we, for, we forgot about we forgot about that when we were doing our little uh, list of things to do. Yeah. Are there any more comments or questions? We can. I have a few last uh, remarks. Uh, we can go right to those and go out and enjoy the the nice weather. Do some exercise. Uh, but let me just add. This is Rose. Red Rose. Yes, Rose. Um, so yesterday we didn't finish introducing, and my name is Rosemary Miller. My birthday is September sixth. Anybody who did not get to introduce themselves may now introduce themselves. And we're not, we won't do by birthday. Just shout out if you uh, didn't get to introduce yourself yesterday. Well, I'm Sharon Strakowski, and I'm September 2nd. <laughs> and I have a twin who's also September 2nd. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alice Lanou, uh, December 21st. And I also have a twin. Mm-hmm. Oh. And my, it's Chris, and I'm November 30. And John Smith is too. And we have some very famous birthday mates uh, with uh, Dick Clark and Winston Churchill and Mark Twain and Bo Jackson. Uh, so uh, go go match that, all you birthday people. <laughs> and I'm uh, uh, Hello. I'm hello. from Quincy and I'm September 26th. Okay. And who's the person who's saying hello? I- go ahead. Patricia Duvalli from Brookline, Mass. And my birthday is. June 10th. And Thomas Doherty here is uh, birthday is June 27th. My name is and I was born on October 24th, which is United Nations Day. Nancy Mathis, March 14th, Pi Day. Hi, this is Karen Crowder. My birthday is September 16th. 19, I was born in 1949. Oh, we, now we didn't ask for that part, but anyways, it's, it's up to you to uh, divulge. Right. <laughs> anyways. Okay. Now we Mary, know. <laughs> Mary Haroyan, December 7th, and I won't say, obviously, what day that is, um, but I believe it's also Larry Bird's birthday. And Pearl Harbor Day. I remember from like well, a couple of years ago uh, that you were December 7th because mm-hmm. of that. It is Larry Bird's birthday. You're right. Mm-hmm. Um, Cheryl Cummings, October 23rd. My name is Rich Keys from Worcester, Mass., and my birthday is May 24th. Let's close things down. Let me uh, just say a few last-minute remarks. First off, I really want to thank everybody who contributed to making this into what I, I think was a successful spring convention. One thing I will note is that, you know, I check the participants list every now and then. I think we had a pretty strong attendance throughout, generally in the 60 to 70 participant range, which I think is pretty good. You know, these days people are Zoom fatigued and we had some other, uh, it was a beautiful weekend and all. So I think we had strong participation. We clearly had a very successful uh, auction last evening. Everybody had fun. And then the bottom line, of course, was was great. Um, I also want to thank once again, um, the uh, our most generous sponsors, Democracy Live, uh, which contributed fifteen hundred dollars. Um, 
Jerry Boucher, who also made a, a very prominent contribution, as well as quite a few others who made uh, smaller contributions. In terms of the auction last night, again, thanking once again our auctioneers, uh, Jeanette, who did a great job of uh, describing all of the different items to us, ACB Media for hosting, as well as hosting throughout. And then, of course, everybody who contributed items, all of those who, and again, Gerard, um, I don't know if you just joined one second ago, but I was also, uh, I'm doing some final thanks, and you were one of the people I wanted to thank for your very generous um, contribution. So thank you so much for that. Um, and then finally, you know, all the people who contributed in other ways, either as committee chairs or organizing different sessions. Um, I think when we put together events such as this, um, it, it really brings home the idea that we're a team. We do things together. And when we do things together, we are stronger than uh, our individual parts. I look forward to perhaps emerging out of this pandemic uh, period in which we live to be able to do some things in person. I'm hoping uh, this summer, maybe we can have some uh, uh, in-person social committee sponsored events. Definitely hoping that our fall conference is also in person. So once again, thank you all for attending. Thank you all for your contributions. And uh, once again, con uh, congratulations to all of us on this, I'll call it quasi or pseudo 50th anniversary year of BSCB. And, and I think our future looks bright. bright. Thank you very much and have a good rest of the day.